Welcome everybody. Shalom. This is a modern day Samaritan woman bringing to you another episode of Healing for the Nations. We are on a journey to the heart of our Father. And on that journey, we are sojourning with other people that are on the way to the great wedding feast of the Lamb. So I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I have spots and wrinkles on my wedding attire. And so we have this opportunity as we journey towards the heart of the Father and on our way to the great wedding feast to attend those spots and those wrinkles. So every show, we talk about different types of spots and wrinkles, and we also talk about different woundings of the heart and the soul. And today I have a friend of mine that... Uh, I've invited to come on to explore the topic of grief and loss. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. So, John, would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I uh, have a, a master's degree in theology. I also trained in uh, grief and loss from the uh, American Association of Christian Counseling. Uh, that part was spawned because of losing my son in 2019 in a car accident, uh, which was the worst experience of my life. But it drove me to want to uh, help other people and ex- that have experienced such losses. So you and I had a really great talk the other night and you know we both shared what happened to our sons and it's a really difficult topic because it's so painful and it's it's so personal. I don't talk a lot about my son but I lost my son at 23. They uh, the authorities ruled it a suicide. It looks as if um, he was actually murdered. There's a big question mark what really happened to him. But I also know that the prayers that I was praying a few months before he died, when I went to visit his father, his best friend showed up and I asked his best friend where my son was spiritually. And his best friend started sharing with me that My son was the most spiritual person that he ever met. And all the prayers that I was praying, specific prayers that I was praying, came out of that young man's mouth. So I knew that the father was speaking to a mother's heart, comforting me in this horrible, tragic time, letting me know that the last four months of my son's life, he was pursuing the father He was pursuing a relationship with Jesus, and he was reading the Bible. And I really felt like the Father was saying, look, I want you to know that it was the Holy Spirit inspiring you to pray these prayers for your son. And the prayers that you prayed were so powerful that your son was responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and that you will see him on the day of resurrection. You know, grief and loss is such a hard topic because the father, when, when we human beings were created, we were created for eternity. We were not meant to die. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why it is so extremely painful to lose a loved one. So we're going to just have a chat about this topic. And I'm going to hand the mic over to you. And I'm going to ask you to share with a listener the things that the Father's put on your heart to share. 
Well, one thing I, I wanted to mention is just the, the loss of a child is considered the worst loss. I know that a loss of there's tons of losses out there that people go through, but the loss of a child is considered the greatest loss. And it usually takes around six to 10 years to be able to stabilize in, in general. For me, it's only been a little over three years. So, but what I have found that helps me and also helps my daughter, which, you know, she lost her brother when uh, she was only 14. And what helps us though, is that when we can help other people in their time of grief and loss and about. About 11 months after we had lost, I had lost my son and she had lost her brother, we were able to minister to a family who had just lost their son in a murder-suicide. It comforted us as we comforted them, and we were able to, to reach out to them and, and just be there for them and give them scriptures on a daily basis. So that's my passion now. I would like to not only help those that are in the grieving process, but also teach the uh, leaders, pastors, people who are going to be dealing with a congregation or someone who's going to be dealing with people that have they're going to eventually experience loss and have them help them in a way that they're maybe not be trained now because a lot of times believers christians or messianics or whatever title you have sometimes the leadership can end up hurting the person they're trying to help and i don't believe that that's their intent i believe that they're trying to help but a lot of times uh, what they're saying is actually making things worse so that's what my desire is to help people that are grieving as well as teach other people that would be ministering to other people to be able to help them so that we can kind of stop the bleeding instead of driving that knife in a little farther. So that's true of whatever we go through is the Father comforts us through his Holy Spirit so that we can comfort others. And Exactly. Um, I agree with you. There, There's nothing like the loss of your own child. There's nothing more uh, heart-rendering and... Um, you know, I just lost my dad a year ago, um, last March. And uh, even though that was very painful, it was nothing like losing my son. And so, you know, there's different types of grief and loss. And so I found, I found some information on caring info. So listener, if you want to do some reading on your own, this looks like it's a really great insight um, website. So there's anticipatory grief, which is when a person or family is expecting the death, like when somebody is or somebody is really elderly. So that enables a person to, uh, you know, to, to have some closure. You can prepare for the death of that person. You may be able to complete unfinished business with a dying person, you know, saying your goodbyes, saying, I love you, saying, I forgive you or asking for forgiveness. And then there's the sudden loss. And that's what you and I experienced with the death of our, our children is their sudden loss. And, um, which is very difficult to grieve and that impact may take much longer to fully understand than in the case of an expected loss that might come after prolonged illness. Then there's complicated grief. And that's what um, some of the therapists that I worked with, they, they said that I had complicated grief because of other circumstances, very, very hard circumstances that I was already experiencing in my life. And then on top of it, 
this horrible tragedy happened with with my own son with no closure. It took me a really long time to be able to process the death of my son. And then there's a traumatic loss, which, you know, <laughs> these things are, are deep traumas. So let's talk about the emotions attached to loss. So for me, I was extremely angry at the father for what had happened to my son. Yeah, and that's understandable uh, completely. Uh, you know, I had I had someone call me, I think the day of, and uh, it was a believer. And he told me that I could cuss God if I wanted to. I didn't do that, but he was allowing me to put out whatever emotion that I could that I needed to. And he was just going to listen. He wasn't going to be judgmental. He just wanted me to know I could vent and however emotions that I needed to. One emotion that I had too was, for instance, on the five stages of grief was bargaining. For me, I was, it's a little different for some people, but I was actually trying to bargain with God that I literally was asking him to turn back time. I knew that he had the ability, and I, and I even would say to him, I don't even know if you've ever done this before, but would you please do this? Just turn back time one day and we could do this again. You know, um, So I went through you know, denial. I went through anger, the you know, depression. One thing that I would do too is part of a coping mechanism was just to disassociate to where I would think, well, you know, I'm going to wake up one day and everything is going to be normal. I'm going to walk downstairs and my son's going to be there and everything's going to be back to normal. This is just a nightmare. I'm going to wake up and it's all going to be fine. And I would say things like, um, this is a long dream. This is a long nightmare, yes. but eventually, you know, it's going to be over. So, or I would say, you know, this is just, uh, I'm, I'm in some kind of alternate universe. It's like the twilight zone, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, but one day when I, when I wake up, it's, it's going to be Completely different. And one thing that I mean, I was having dreams constantly in that time period as well. And so one, I think it was maybe the day or two afterwards, I actually had a dream of, of him in the heavenly realm. And he was trying to explain to me what happened. And he had these poster boards set up and he had uh, like drawings of, see, he was in a car accident. I don't know if I mentioned that, yes. but he had a drawing set up and he was trying to explain to me what happened. And my eyes focused on this tire and like there was a piece coming out of the tire. Um, and I said to him, uh, is that it? And and my son said, no, that's not it, Dad. And then I woke up. So, but uh, just having dreams. And I like when people say that when you're experiencing something, at some point you need to, you know, move, you want to keep moving forward. Uh, but you don't want to say move on because you're not going to move on from your child. But you want to keep moving forward or just keep moving. I just like, you know, keep moving is a good one or, or keep moving forward. But I've experienced all those stages and also those stages. It's not that always that you, you know, you've passed one. One, you're not going to ever go back to the, to the one before that you've already passed. Those can come in waves. And one thing they describe is shadow grief. And that's where anything can trigger you. You could be going about your day, having a normal day, and a song is played, something like you might be in a grocery store and you see a certain type of food that he liked or she liked, whoever it was. And like I would see my son like sriracha. So if I just sometimes see sriracha, that puts me back in that mindset. And all of a sudden that, that wave of grief comes over me and I might just start crying right there in the grocery store. And what I found too, from all the experts, they say, go ahead and do that. Do not try to hold back the, those tears. You need to go ahead and let your yourself cry there for a minute you do not want to hold back with that you know those 20 years from now you might have a, a bad day you might have a bad moment and it's it's normal and it's fine and it's it's not anything to be ashamed of yeah especially with 
with the anniversaries. Anniversaries can be very, very difficult. So for the listener, if you've never heard of the five stages of, of grief, they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Exactly. Yeah. We flow through different stages at different times, and there's not like a progression. You don't go through the different stages in a neat little progression, and then you're done with it. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. In fact, one of the professors that I learned from, his name is D.H. Norman, and he had lost, he's lost both of his children. He lost his son when he was 23. He lost his daughter when she was, I think, 53. And he lost his wife, actually, as well. And he said, uh, sometimes, you know, he lost his son 20 some years ago. And he said, 21 years later, he'll have a breakdown. And it's not ever just going to go away. He holds on to the faith and that he will see you know, his family again. So that that's what you got to hold on to. You know, this is temporary and you will see them again if they're a believer. They were a, a believer in Yeshua. And I think it's really difficult also, and I'm not going to get into this really, but I think it's really difficult for believers when they lose someone who did not appear to be a believer. And, you know, the question of um, their eternal life, their eternal destination can really plague a person. And um, I saw that at a funeral when when my brother at 51 years old overdosed from drugs. And at the funeral, I saw my father, who has always been a very strong person, just sobbing. And I went to sit next to my father and my father sobbing. And he said, you know, I don't know where your brother is going to. And this is a non-religious, supposedly non-believer. And here my father is questioning the destiny of, of my brother, who was not a believer. You know, what came out of my mouth was, well, we have to trust that the father is fair. He's a fair judge. And that he's going to take into consideration my brother's whole entire lifespan and what was driving his decisions throughout his whole entire life. And sometimes we just have to come to a place where we're, we are trusting the father, trusting the father to make a righteous judgment for our loved ones or friends that we deemed not to be believers because we're not the judge. Father's the judge. um, Exactly. And you never want to uh, tell somebody that, that, you know, they're not in a good place or anything like that. You don't know what their last, even their last moments were, uh, their last thoughts were most of the time. And that, you know, there is grace out there that, that we can't even imagine. So I would always try to comfort them. And there's, you know, that's, it's something that's in, it's in the father's hands. So uh, in that time, it's only about comfort and and love and and just being there for them. We need to go on break, but when we come back, we're going to continue to talk to um, Brother John about the topic of loss and grief. So we'll be right back. Shalom. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is a modern day Samaritan woman bringing to you the second half of Healing for the Nation. So before we went on break, I was chit-chatting with a brother on the topic of grief and loss. So this half of the show, we are going to continue to talk about this topic. I want to welcome back our brother, John. Welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate that. So John, could you tell people a little bit about yourself if they missed the first half of the show and how could they connect with you to get resources and if they wanted to talk to someone who's been through this process of the grieving over losses. My name is John Bratton and I have a master's degree in theology. I've also been trained through the AACC and the American Association of Christian Counseling specializing in grief and loss. I will be able to help any way I can if they needed to contact me. My phone number is 423-999-1711, and I can help out with resources. Uh, there is a, a website that I can connect them to, and just any, any way that I can help, I, I'll definitely uh, do everything I can for that. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. So for those who've never heard of the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, we don't grieve neatly and in order. These different stages can hit us at various times, and there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Everybody grieves differently, depending on the circumstances of the death. And in the first half of the show, we talked a little bit about the different types. And so on this half of the show, I'm just going to ask John to share what the father's put on his heart. So John, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Well, one of the things that you mentioned a, a minute ago about people that grieve differently, there's two main kinds of grief of how people grieve differently is instrumental griever. An instrumental griever is someone who they want to get things done. They're more problem solving and they just want to go do these tasks to get things um, that they that they feel like needs to be handled first. I experienced that when I lost my son, my mother, and as well as my daughter's grandmother, they were just very, well, let's do this. We got to go get this. And just within hours, my daughter's grandmother was telling me to just go get his things from the police station. And at first I thought that seems very harsh that I don't see her crying. I don't see any emotion other than you need to do this, you need to do this, do this, do this. But once I've learned about how people do grieve differently, it makes more sense that that is a part of how certain people grieve. And it's not a problem. It's just when you understand it keeps you from you know getting hurt or being angry at how someone else deals with losing someone. The other would be like an intuitive griever. And that's someone that would show more emotions. They deal with it by exploring and processing the feelings. So they're going to be more open. They're going to be crying a lot more and things like that. So it's just different people are able to, to deal with it differently. It doesn't mean they didn't love them any more or any less. It's just how they, they handle it, especially in the open. I was just wondering if it depends on different personalities of the person and the level of, you know, the kind of relationship that they had with the person. Now, that's a huge one. The personality does matter, as well as how close they were. That's also true. You know, for us, he was living in our home. So losing him instantly with no notice was very devastating. And it, it changed our whole routine, daily routine. So that does factor in. There's a lot of factors in how someone grieves or how devastated it is to that particular person as well. And one thing I 
wanted to mention too is that there's things that people, when they're going through these different things, that so they understand that it's normal and they're not crazy. Things like uh, what they call a face in the crowd. And that's where they think they see their loved one or they either believe it's them or they believe it's so close that they just want to talk to them. They want to be around them, want to see them. And you might catch yourself staring at someone. I had a, a time where I was actually at work and I actually caught up with someone who looked just like, well, from what I, from a distance, looked just like him. And I just wanted to talk to him. I just wanted to see someone be around someone that you know had the same mannerisms, the same hair color. And it is a normal thing. You're, you know, you're not going crazy. It's just part of the process. Um, and it just shows, you know, people that grieve deeply, they love deeply. And so it's not anything to be ashamed of. It just shows how much that you want them back. And the heartache there, there was a, a book wrote by a man. I, I'm not I'm sure what it's like. I'm sorry. I don't have the name of the, of the author, but he wrote a book, Five Cries of Loss and Grief. And there was a mother and father wrote this book about their son who was killed by lightning, uh, climbing in a tree, got killed by lightning. And they had, so the five cries of loss and grief, the first one is the cry of pain that nobody understands the depth of my heart. There's the cry of longing. I want my child back. So that was just so intense for me that I would have done anything just to have him back. The the cry for need, the supportive love that you need. And during that, especially the initial few months, you need people around you more than anything, but you also need the right people that are going to support you and help you and say the things that they should be saying. And, and I'll, I will say this, the, the one thing that I will say when you, when you read the book of Job, and I know that he ends up calling the counselors miserable counselors, <laughs> but the first thing they did, they did the right thing in the beginning when they sat with him for seven days. And it's not just about what you say. If you don't know what to say, you don't have to say anything. You can just be there. You can just listen. You can send a text message of something of, is there anything I can do for you? Can I bring you something? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to try to fix it. Just show that you care and that you want to help however you can. And if you don't know what to say, you don't have to say anything. Anything. If you're just there, you, you could say, I'll just listen and you can just talk if you want to. The supportive love is the third cry of help. Then there's the cry of why. You know, I don't understand. Why, why did this happen? And it's okay to lament. It's okay to, you know, have those feelings of why God, why did this happen? Scripture is full of, you know, in the Psalms and Lamentations and places where you're not a bad believer if you go through those emotions. And then the, the, the fifth one is the cry of significance. For me, it's uh, one reason why I, and also my daughter, I'd like to help other people is because it gives me, it gives us a reason to keep going. When you've gone through something so traumatic, you need a purpose and you need to be able to feel like there's a reason for you to still be here. And so if it's doing something to help other people in that area, it might not be that. Maybe it's something else, but you want to find something that gives you that divine purpose to keep going. That is so good. That's really good information. I know some of my friends, they have tragically lost a child and they have shared with me some things that even pastors said to them that was horrible. We don't grieve well in this country. Sometimes we don't know what to say. And when we don't know what to say, please 
just be there and let that person know that you're there. You're praying for them. You're thinking of them. I like what you, you said. Ask them what they need. A lot of times people don't even know what they need because they're still in shock. So take them food, send them cards, send them flowers, pray, ask the father to reveal to you how you can come alongside of them and help them. And I've heard it also said that a lot of times when the, the death happens initially, there'll be a lot of people there to support them. But as the weeks go by, all of a sudden, nobody is there to offer support. Yep, absolutely. That's one of the hardest times is that week or two after sometimes where everybody is gone and then you feel isolated. And, and then some people just, you know, the phone calls stop coming in, people stop showing up and many just either they don't know what to say or they don't they think that you should be in a in a better spot now and ready to just move on which is again a, a statement that I don't I don't recommend saying to someone is about moving on but the yeah the hardest is some of the hardest times is when that first couple of weeks afterwards where it's all settled down everyone has jobs that they got to go back to and everything so it's understandable but for the person that's still in that it's very hard they start to feel abandoned mhm mhm yeah, thinking about one of my friends who lost her husband a few years ago, and you know, she has shared with me that how hard it is to be a widow and how difficult it is that first month or so, the family was really supportive, but now that time has gone by, she is left alone, mm-hmm. and I know for for me, I had complicated grief and it was very, very difficult to go through the things that I went through because of the other life situations that was, was happening. And I ended up turning to a therapist. I really needed a lot of outside help and it wasn't coming from my church family. It wasn't coming from other family members. So I sought out a therapist that understood grief and loss. And that was very, very helpful. And, um, you know, there's no shame in turning to a therapist. There's no shame in going to a bereavement group. Some folks who have lost a loved one can tap into, you know, if your loved one was on hospice, they often offer free counseling for up to a year. And um, I just want to share that recently it was the anniversary of my son's death. And I can't remember where I was, but there was a young man, they had a baseball cap on that looked just like my son. Mm. And I remember I kept staring at him and I realized that I was staring at him and I was trying to, to not stare at him. That's the face in the crowd. And they say that 75 75- to 80% of parents experience that. I've experienced that. So my son, Jason, died. So it's been a few years. And every anniversary, I go into a funk. And, um, you know, as much as I tell myself, okay, this year's going to be different. But you know what I did, John, this last year? Because I know that's my pattern. What I did this year was I actually... Um, hosted a women's Good Samaritan retreat. I decided that I was going to um, help other women who have different types of trauma. And I put that focus on other people. And you know, for 
for the first time in many, many years, I didn't slide into that funk because I was focused on helping other people. That, that's really good. That's really good, especially on those those holidays. They, uh, well, I say anniversaries or mm-hmm. not really holidays. Birthdays are tough. The anniversary date of the loss is tough. And sometimes what we would do is we would go to a restaurant that he might like to go to or do something that he would like to do. Or, you know, it just depends on what your level of comfort is. But Definitely helping other people in that day, if that's something that you're feeling led to do or can do, that's definitely could help you focus on other people as as a being by yourself. I don't recommend from my experiences being by yourself on those days necessarily is probably not what you want to do. Be around other people and again the right people. And if you're able to help other people, that'll definitely put the focus in the right spots where you won't be fallen into that, maybe that depression that day. There's a lot of really good resources out there, a lot of good books. There's bereavement groups. I believe that perhaps at the local um, local libraries, but also the local hospitals may have books and resources available that don't cost any money. Yes. And I've, I've even seen uh, Grief Share is a one that I believe doesn't cost any money. I know some churches will do that. And sometimes you can do that online. Other times there's uh, churches that will, you could go there and have a, have an actual a little group meeting. So there, there definitely is free resources out there. And some of it's not very expensive. Like uh, for me, I got the, the Care and Counsel Bible. It's put out by the American Association of Christian Counseling. And it is really good as far as being able to counsel people. It's got the different sections for grief or addictions and, and all that. And it'll have the experts and along with the scriptures that would you know give somebody comfort. And it's someone that's trying to help someone in that time. They could just pull out that Bible and go to those sections and not just their opinion, but the scripture as well as an informed, documented help there. I'm actually looking at griefshare.org right now. And they have um, personal study. They have daily encouragement where you can get, you can subscribe to a season of grief, which is their free daily email messages to encourage people, to uplift people. There's a place where you can build a support team, which is really important. You don't have to go through this alone. There are people out there that understand the process of grief and that can come alongside of you and help you through that this healing process. Well, unfortunately, John, we are out of time. And I am just so grateful that you came on and, and shared a little bit about your own um, experience with losing your son. Could you once again, please share your phone number um, if people want to reach out to you to just talk, pray, you know, uh, explore resources that you may be aware of. Okay. Um, my, my name is John Bratton again, and my phone number is 423-999-1711. And also, if, you, if I don't answer, you know, send me a text message, send me a voicemail, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Just remember that you're not alone. There are people that are, are able to help and this this is something that you do need other people. You need people to be coming alongside with you as as you deal with these things. And all things are accomplished through through the blood of Yeshua and and the proper the proper care that he that he offers. Amen, amen. 
I love just to wrap things up. I love Second Corinthians 1 3, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our time of tragedy and grief so that we can provide comfort and compassion to others who also suffer grief and loss. And so with that, John and I are going to say shalom. Shalom.